Welcome to Intimate Interactions, where we discuss ways we share intimacy with our fellow humans. Sex, kink, non-monogamy, love, relationships, gangbangs, no intimacy topic is too taboo. Let's talk! Huge thanks to my outstanding Patreon supporters for making this possible. If you want the ad-free version, go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon to unlock premium content, including every episode of the back catalog, as well as a weekly podcast moving forward. Don't forget that you can also go to intimatepodcast.com, check out how to add the podcast there to your various devices, and you can click become a patron. Thanks so much for your support. It is greatly appreciated. Relationships of all shapes and sizes require skills. While monogamy and non-monogamy sometimes require different skills, sometimes they suffer from the same pitfalls. Emma talks about toxic relationship ideas and monogamous ideals that don't always serve us in non-monogamy. What makes a relationship successful? How much do we value personal growth? Why did Emma decide to start into non-monogamy when she already had a great monogamous long-term relationship? Emma answers all of these questions from her perspective as a currently monogamous human who is just starting down the road to non-monogamy. I invite you to listen to this well-researched human as she wades into the waters of having more intimate interactions. So uh, I guess I should introduce the session and welcome everyone to another session with Emma. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we're still talking about non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. But we're going to touch more on the social aspects instead of a description. We finished a lot of pre-work stuff in terms yeah. of all the prep work that you and your partner have been diligently doing, preparing to open your relationship mm-hmm. and touch more on non-monogamy. So yes. why don't we move into um, the social aspects of does your family know that you're planning on being non-monogamous or like, are you expecting to tell them or how mm-hmm. are you expecting them to react? I'm curious about your perception of like family and social stigma around non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting... That you that you say you know the stigma around non-monogamy because I I've been again hugely hugely privileged to grow up with a, a mother who um, genuinely and unequivocally like loves me for for all that I am and has never judged any of my choices. Well, I mean when I got my first tattoo she wasn't super pleased about that but now she just says she's happy they're pretty. Um, That's what in, in general she's always been like hugely supportive. Um, I've never felt like there was something I couldn't tell her. Okay. So in this respect, I have kind of, um, even though my partner and I, as I said in the previous session, we haven't started being monogamous yet, and we just recently kind of gave each other the go-ahead to make dating profiles, which is mm-hmm. our first, our baby step. Whoops. Um, <laughs> but uh, last time I was, a while back I was on the phone with my mom, and I I told her that my partner mm-hmm. and I were doing some couples therapy it the inter- in the interest of changing the dynamic of our relationship, I think was the way I put it, because mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what we were going to be doing yet, and I didn't want to kind of give her information that wasn't true or accurate yet. So I, I just said, you know, oh, yeah, we're looking at changing the nature of our relationship. And she said, oh, interesting, and then didn't. My, my mother's also very British. Um, so <laughs> something we're, me and her are both trying to get better at is volunteering information or asking That's for it. That's great. Because neither of us are, it's, it's a learned skill for us. It's not something that we really did a whole lot as I was right. growing up. Right. Um, was just like asking for more information about personal things or mm-hmm. giving that information without being prompted. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I'm trying to kind of make up for now by being open about things with her. Got you. Yeah. So you just figure you'll throw all of the relationship information at her and be like, hey, mom, I'm kinky. Hey, mom, I'm out and I'm not going to I don't, oh, yeah. That's hey, mom, I had group sex. <laughs> I, I feel like, 
I feel like the, the British side of me draws the line at letting my mom know that I'm kinky. Like, I feel like that's just not information <laughs> she needs. Um, sure. Probably because for me, um, and like as we'll talk about later, kink is lef- less of a lifestyle and more of an, an interest. Oh, okay. It's I like guess, a, yeah. It's like an addendum to sex for you? I'd, I'd say that's, um, I mean, that's not the whole of it, but that's okay. where we can leave it for now in respect to talking about it with, with family members. Okay, that's fair. When my partner and I do genuinely start opening up, I'm really excited about talking about that with my mom. Uh, because I know that she is not going to judge me for it. I mean, that's really the underlying right. reason I'm excited right. about it. It's because I know that I'm not going to face judgment mm-hmm. or disapproval because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she'll likely be curious because that's not something, as far as I know, that mm-hmm. she has experienced. But then it's funny because every time I go to my mom with some kind of like, you're like, oh, mom, I'm dealing with this. Or like, oh, I, I'm doing this. She tends to give me an anecdote about the time she went through that exact same thing. Okay. Um, like in her past, so I, like when I was, um, you're like, mom, I'm experiencing kink, and she's like, boy, do I have, <laughs> I have some stories oh, for you. Oh man, well, I mean, she she was alive in the '60s, so I don't know. <laughs> and and it seems like Brits are fairly open culturally about kink in a way that, like, really, I think North Americans are less open. Oh, well, I I still don't know if I'm going to broach that with with my 72 <laughs> year old mother, but. <laughs> Oh, no, she would kill me. She is 69. I'm so sorry. That's yeah. okay, Rob. That's okay. She may never hear this recording. Yeah, that's actually probably For true. For a variety of reasons, yeah. including that this recording will be about kink later, most likely. Yeah, and also including the fact that I don't think she's ever listened to a podcast in her life um, and doesn't have any podcast subscriptions. I like, I like the notion that she's going to be like, how do I make it go? Yeah. <laughs> I tried to explain torrenting to her a few times. And I mean, peer-to-peer networks is, is more complicated. It's almost like yes. cryptocurrency. Like, they get increasingly more Technical. Oh god, yeah, that's true. Trying to explain yeah. that to somebody who's over the age of like whatever X. I, I've I've tried to ex- I've tried to understand cryptocurrency a few times. Or but for just that matter, trying to explain been... trying to explain the like yeah the idea yeah. of like <laughs> even just explaining hashing to someone or explaining what hashing. I'm sorry, what's hashing? Um, so <laughs> here we go. <laughs> are, are you actually like okay? So is it just when you hashtag something? No. Oh. Um, so when you take information and you put it through an algorithm to encrypt it is essentially what hashing oh, okay. is. So often you'll have like you, you'll uh, it gets it gets fairly so the easiest you can, way you can, you, yeah you can kind of leave it at leave it at that sure. first description okay. if you want to yeah okay. it's okay cool so it's cool. a thing that I don't understand and that's fine I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a really quick example just for all the people who are like oh god why is Victor <laughs> going to bore us with this but say you need to log into a server yep. and a server wants your password to be encrypted okay. so that no one can intercept it there are asymmetrical encryption algorithms. So what that means is I have a code and it's like um, a code that is used to make things jumbled so no one can oh, read them. Okay. Does that make sense? Like encryption? Yeah, yeah, it does. Cool. Yeah, that, that makes sense. The code that I use to make things jumbled isn't the same one that I use to unjumble them. Okay. So it's asymmetrical. So basically if I'm like, do all these things mm-hmm. to turn it into a scrambled mess, mm-hmm. you can't reverse those steps to unscramble it. So it's more secure. It's super secure. So what ends up happening is they send out the scrambling code. Mm -hmm. And when they originally got the scrambling code, they solved a complicated problem to get the unscrambling code. Okay. So a really powerful computer presumably did all this work and came up with, here's a scrambling code and here's an unscrambling code that will work to unjumble the mess you make in the first part. Oh, okay. So then what they do is they send you the scrambling code and say, okay, before you send out your password and and all sorts of other sensitive credit card information, Mm -hmm. scramble it. Okay. Now, 
if you assume that the person sending it out is not secure, that your yeah. communication isn't secure, yeah. someone might intercept and get the scrambling code. But they won't have the unscrambling code. But they code. won't have the unscrambling code. Right. So, so when you two scramble two keys, data, essentially. that's yeah. right. It's a, it's, it's a two-key system okay. that's asymmetrical. So that okay. it's crucial that it's asymmetrical so that you scramble your, your all of your stuff. Yep your credit card information, et cetera, yep. and then you broadcast it. So now an attacker has the scrambling code and yep. they have all of your information scrambled. But they can't unscramble because they, they don't have the unscrambling. Cool. That's right. Okay, awesome. So I then thing, yeah. you come up with the same thing. Yeah. Your computer has a scrambling code and an unscrambling code for here's how you can talk to me, mm-hmm. but you scramble it with the first scrambling code and then okay. you send it. Okay. So and then now they it's can't like you're completely anything unless, yeah. secure is the okay. idea. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, that, so that's essentially so... In a in a really distilled version, that's kind of how logging in might work. Right. Yeah. And then cryptocurrency is like doing that, but even more complicated. Yeah. Don't I even, won't even try. Yeah, no, that, please try. don't. Yeah, my brain just shuts down every cool. time somebody says that's Bitcoin. Fair. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't even need to. Cool. Um, so anyways, yeah. 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 So that, was, that was an explanation of what hashing is. Yeah, sort of all, all that to say, thing. my mom will probably never hear this podcast. <laughs> right, right. Um, cool. Yeah, but, but that being said... Um, I'm looking forward to keeping her in the loop as to as to how my relationship evolves. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. so you will be updating her in terms of like how stuff goes. You'll be yeah, like, yeah, and pro- probably not in in great detail, just because again, that's that's the relationship that we have is sure. that, that we sense. don't volunteer huge, you know, hugely in depth information. But I would definitely tell her if, if you know, oh, I'm seeing I'm seeing my partner. I'm also seeing somebody else. Right. Here's how it works. Yes, my partner right. knows about it. This is what we're doing. That cool. kind of thing. Um, cool. And you draw the line at kink. Good to know. <laughs> um, not that it's necessary for me, but it's just like neat to kind of like flesh out you as a human. on the Right. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's one of those things where, yeah, just, just in terms of where I feel kink fits into my life. I don't feel like I need to loop my mother in on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that'll change right now. Right now that's where it's at. Cool. Yeah. I definitely thought I was never going to tell my mother I was kinky. And then mm-hmm. a situation developed where I had to tell my mother I was kinky. And then I told my mother I was kinky. And she was a very disturbed old Indian woman. It's <laughs> the best way to describe that But whole she was informed. <laughs> she yeah. was informed. She yeah. definitely was. Yep. And the situation called for it. It's, it's That's the other thing. Like, if the situation ever called for it, I sure. then, then, then I'd find out what the answer to that question really but was. But it would need to be mother, a pretty yeah. specific situation. Which it mine was a very... Again, probably comes back to my memory being a sieve and just, <laughs> and just planning very poorly. But mm. it is what it is. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. come up, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So would you say that you're better socially equipped because of all the pre-work that you've been doing? Oh, God, absolutely. Like, better equipped to go into non-monogamy because of the work even that just, we've been doing leading up to it? I mean, absolutely or that, but I would, I would assume. In general? But just in general, like, are you able to apply a lot of the things you're learning about emotional intelligence? Oh, hell yes. And, like, oh, my management? God, yeah. I'm using it all over the place. Awesome. Because, um, I mean, at the core, what we're learning is just how to communicate better. Right. And, I mean, every day, every day you communicate with people. I mean, right. Even if it's online, or even if it's if it's on per- in person, or in your job, or with your friends, or with you know coworkers, right, or with your right. partner, then I mean we're using these skills every single day, mm-hmm. and largely it is with my partner because we're learning the same communication language mm-hmm. uh, at the same time as each other, and so we're kind of able to use that language with each other at the same kind of speed, I guess mm-hmm. I would call mm-hmm. it, or in the same ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find I'm also using it, if not necessarily in the way that I talk to I mean I don't think it's changing the way I talk to people necessarily but it is definitely changing the way that I interpret my my own feelings in a social situation mm-hmm. and the way that I interpret the things that people are telling me like I guess a good example of that is now if if I ask somebody if they oh do you want to do you want to do this thing with me 
And if they say no, they don't, I feel like there's definitely a time when I would have, again, in that same way as that previous, um, as in a relationship, hearing a no as a devaluation of the relationship, mm-hmm. I would have done that same thing with a friend and that like, oh, you don't want to do this thing with me. That right. means that you don't value our friendship as much as I do. Right. Like I want to go out and do these things and you're not interested. Does that mean you don't like me? Exactly. Yeah. And I find that in learning to communicate better, I'm learning to unlearn those, those kinds of, again, that mainstream mm-hmm. idea of assent meaning value. I guess it would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's very concisely summarized. Thank you. Uh, and like now I'm able to see like, oh, okay, no, you want, don't want to do this thing. Cool. Like for whatever reason, like they just don't want to do this thing. It doesn't mean that we're not as good friends as I thought we were, or that they don't value me in the same way, or mm-hmm. that I should even not ask them again if they want to do that thing later. Um, it just means that right here, right now in this moment, for whatever reason, they don't want to do this thing and that's fine. Yeah, it kind of touches on the notion of toxic monogamous myths, Mm -hmm. which isn't to say all monogamy is toxic in the same way saying toxic masculinity is not saying all masculinity is toxic, but there are definitely certain toxic myths that are damaging to monogamous relationships. Absolutely. And that are are still damaging when you port them into non-monogamy. Yes, yeah. So the notion of, um, I'm actually going to write that down, that ascent... Um, that, that, that assent is something you give somebody to show that you value them or like them, as opposed to assent being something you give because you want to, because it lines up with what you actually want. Right. Assent or agreement. Yeah. That it preserves the value of a relationship. Yeah. And like, obviously the damaging flip side of that being that dissent, like hearing a yeah. no or hearing, yeah. yeah, hearing anything other than the answer you want, meaning... A that devaluation. The yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a really coercive power dynamic. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's essentially saying, you know, like, do what I want you to do, or you don't like me. Like, right. <laughs> or, or essentially, like, you're losing the social capital, mm-hmm. and you're losing my willingness to assent to things that you need, or to help yeah. you out when you need help. Yeah. Or the, the idea as well. I mean, it's something as well, like related back to the question that I feel mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm learning, is this idea that a discussion has, like, not a discussion, but like a a debate or a, an argument or whatever has a winner and a loser. Right, That's, right. again, another hugely damaging thing is this idea like, oh, you let, let him win or like, oh, you let her win or like, letting letting That's whoever so win yeah. and like, as if it was something that should have a winner. Like, oh, great, that means there's a loser mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. <laughs> like, it's not, you're not in the ring with this person. Like, you're trying to, you're trying to build on your relationship. You're trying to be, you're trying, you're trying to both be happy ideally yeah which, and, which yeah. kind of comes back to that idea of are you even on the same team if you're constantly mm-hmm. keeping score and thinking of well my partner got to have a boyfriend or girlfriend therefore i should right get to have. yeah well and then you get into like you segue from there into all those damaging images of like the old ball and chain or like oh i want to do this but my partner won't let me or right, like right. oh i would but someone doesn't want to and oh, even even like, as opposed to saying like i want to do this but i don't feel like my relationships like that i'm ready or that my relationship right. Ready or whatever it is, but right. saying that your relationship isn't ready for that yet is different than saying my partner won't let me. Yes, because there, there's a very clear idea of ownership in that second statement of somebody yeah. having power over somebody else, which yes. is I think that comes into play even again in friendships. If somebody, if again, if that idea of like oh you don't want to do this, that means that this is like losing points somehow. There's the idea of mm-hmm. I should be able to make you do something just because I want you to do it. Like I should be able to have power over this friendship, or therefore over the person you're friends with. Absolutely. And it's not not good, <laughs> not a good one. And, you know that's that's not uncommon in in monogamous relationships. If you think about, um, like, there's a line in Red Dwarf. I don't know if you watch Red Dwarf. I know of it. It's, it's yeah. a British comedy. But there's a line where in a person's dream, mm-hmm. 
a character says it's the fourth law of the universe. You, after you get married, the first thing you do is systematically set about getting rid of all of your friends. Oh my god! And I remember thinking that's miserable. It's the comment he makes the comment about his wife though that his wife sets about getting rid of all of his guy friends. Whoa! And I'm like, that is a really slanted view of that's like a healthy dark. relationship. Yeah, but it's it's done within a comic fashion yeah. so as to be understood as an extreme of something that really happens. So they're, they're, they're trying to frame it as... I think they're trying to frame okay. it because it is comedy. So they're right. trying to frame it as like, it's the fourth law of the universe. The first thing after you're married <laughs> is you, you get rid of all of your friends. And it's, right. it's meant to be like, haha, you don't really get rid of all right. of your friends. But, but then maybe think about that. Like, yeah. There's an element of truth there. Right. That you get married and then like, it's almost like the friends that don't fit your new partnership. Right. You get rid of. Well, I, was, I was talking about this with um, a friend yesterday. It was this, again, this damaging idea that in, again, you know, kind of a monogamous, I think it is a monogamous cultural thing, this idea that when you, especially after you get married, but even if you're in a relationship with somebody, mm-hmm. then you cease to be two people and you are then, you are then just that relationship. Mm-hmm. Like that idea that, you know, oh, if we don't want to do something, neither of us will do it. Or you have to stop doing all the things that you like to do, but your partner doesn't enjoy doing, or mm-hmm. you can't see the people that you get along with, but your partner doesn't get along with or vice versa, or... All, all of that stuff where, like, when if we don't want to do it, we can't do it. Right. And that's so creepy. Like, that hive mind kind of thing. Yeah. And that falls in with the tele- telepathy as well. With the, they should just know what I want mm-hmm. because we are a singularity or, like, whatever is happening there. Yes, we should know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm hungry and you should know that because we share the same brain now. And like, uh. you, should, you should be doing the emotional labor to keep track of all of my eating habits. Yes, and like, yeah. And, but I'm not going to tell you because that takes away the or whatever I don't know (laughs) it's not mystery anymore if I just tell you how I'm feeling (laughs) right and there's that all that leads into the whole idea of like romanticizing I mean like romanticizing um lack of communication in a relationship I think yeah Yeah. absolutely oh my goodness you're you're framing (laughs) such good things thank you (laughs) um but I'm trying to I'm trying I'm trying to bring it back around to what we were talking about before which is um being better socially equipped because of the the, the pre work going into non monogamy, right. and I mean it's a lot of it is just being able to see all these scripts better. It's kind of like a matrix kind of thing. Being right. able to see the code helps you kind of start relearning a different way to, to use it. Yeah, it's about seeing the strange in the everyday. Mm-hmm. I stole that from sociology. Nice. Sociology like talks about a sociological perspective yeah. of seeing like the extraordinary in the ordinary and mm. seeing like the strange in the really mundane. Yeah, I like that. That makes sense. See, seeing what's perceived as normal, but but you, seeing you it don't want it to be your normal. Yeah, strictly objective perspective mm-hmm. of like, why do we even consider this a thing? Yeah, absolutely. And as soon as you start looking at your life through this highly scrutinizing, questioning lens of yeah. what's the motivation, it kind of ties back in with what you said earlier about like who profits from this. Right. Yes. Yeah, so or just like being able to be analytical about your own life or and about the way things are put together around you. There is a lot of profit in having a nuclear family. Like oh, God, yes. An enormous amount of profit. If you <sighs> think about even one quick example that I stole from Dr. Kim Talbert, mm-hmm. at least I think I stole it from Dr. <laughs> Kim Talbert. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm going to give her credit. Cool. Um, <laughs> I think she was talking about something very similar. She was talking about communal living and, and mm-hmm. I think in terms of like take anything like a hedge trimmer, a lawnmower, right. any kind of tool that you use infrequently, yep. um, something you use at Christmas kind of deal. Yeah. Or, you know what, let's just stick with the lawnmower because that's simple. Sure. Yep. Everyone, everyone who has a single detached family home yep. and who has a lawn yep. and who wants to maintain it is probably going to use the lawnmower at some point. Oh, yeah. And you can have 
a whole side of a block, a whole street mm-hmm. that's like 20 houses. Yep. And they could all mow their lawn Sunday mornings at exactly the same time mm-hmm. and require 20 lawnmowers. Right. Or they could all just write a time slot for taking a lawnmower right. out of the street's like communal tool shed. Mm-hmm. And everyone's responsible with like a fob or a key card. They yep. like fob out the equipment they need. Right. We have the technology to do this very cheaply now. Mm-hmm. And um, then you go and you mow your lawn and right. then you return the lawnmower. Right. And everyone pays a very small amount for right. access to all of these tools. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen a couple of those community tool sheds around actually. And I really mm-hmm. like that they exist. Um, because, again, like you're saying, the who profits off of the idea of the normal is obviously everybody selling the, the gardening tools. Because totally. there's this idea that when you have your home, you have these items that you need to have in your home. Mm-hmm. And it kind of becomes really insular in that way where, like, I need right. to have all the things that I want in my home as opposed to a thing that you share with your neighbors or right. however that takes shape. Even cars, to be honest, as much as I love driving and I love <laughs> driving standard. The yeah. And, and this kind of ties into non-monogamy in terms of sharing. But <laughs> a partner is like an Evo. <laughs> a partner is like an Evo. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yes, you have it booked for a few hours on a specific... Yeah, you find them on a GPS, you go over when it's convenient. And you I love them. it. <laughs> yes, I think the GPS is, is kind of dangerous, I think. Um, <laughs> if especially in the early stages when you have a partner who's yeah. maybe you, lost. you never want to GPS tag them too early. It just sets it, the wrong signals. <laughs> I meant more if <laughs> yeah. a partner is in the middle of flying into a jealous rage because they're still mm. working through stuff and you have a GPS locator oh on. Oh, God. That, that really is unfair to the third party <laughs> at the very least. At the, uh, even aside from all the other stuff all the that other is going on there, it. my, it's my very heart evident. immediately goes to the third party who has yep. no idea this is oh, coming. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not good. <laughs> it's something I've definitely noticed about being more experienced with non monogamy mm-hmm. is. I'm a lot more wary of dating people who are new in non-monogamy, and yet I primarily seem to date people who are, like, fairly new. They're in their, really? like, first Interesting. year. Yeah. yeah. So you get to be there. I mean, you're, you're a very informed, well, non-monogamous you. person, so, I mean, it's... I mean, I'm glad for them that they're one of their first experiences with non-monogamy. It's a difficult word to say over and over again. With non-monogamy is with somebody who is doing everything from a place of, like, information and consideration and consent and and all that great stuff. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, I try and write, like, I have the primer, um, which I guess I could post. Yeah, you want to peep that as well, yeah. Yeah, I try and have, like, lots of resources for people so Mm -hmm. people who are new can do the work. And I think the reason I originally wrote it was selfish reasons. I just didn't want to do the emotional labor anymore. And when you say the primer, what is that? Oh, I have a non-monogamous primer. Um, originally, it was for yeah. people who were thinking of dating me because I was dating on OkCupid, and I would get people Whoa. that would go out on dates with me just to learn about non-monogamy and have no intention of dating me, which is fine. Wow. But also, it's like... <laughs> you're, saying, you're saying that's fine. But well, yeah. <laughs> so the reason I say it's fine yeah. is with non-monogamy, some people don't even know the world exists. Right. So if this human is like, this could be really life-changing for me, this yeah. is really a essential to who I am as an identity yeah, yeah I want to be there to give that person information like this is something they genuinely need and they don't have right. access to That's all, it's again great that you are that kind of person who is okay with being that source of, of information I'm thinking more kind of it's not great for them to kind of assume that another person would right. just be there to be their information as opposed right. to being a full person who also has interests and kind of wants right. to date and not just be kind of like, hey, here's your info packet or whatever. There, <laughs> definitely, there definitely are people who get into non-monogamy and think of human beings as being need fulfillment machines mm. instead of thinking of people yeah. as real whole humans. Yeah I've, yeah, I've been reading and hearing more about that as well. It's, it's one of those dangers of going into non-monogamy with this idea of just finding a person to fill, a, again, a different kind of compartmentalization right. of like, want spec- I, want, I want a sex person or sure. I want a person who likes to like fly kites or whatever 
and that's yeah. all that person ends up being. Or watch movies, and then yeah. you know, people are human beings with full. Yeah, they're, they're multifaceted. And yeah. to, to deny them that, I think, is also selfish, and that's another reason that I don't want to. Um, uh, oh, actually, sorry. Can I can I wrap back around and say something I left out of um, a previous the previous episode? Yeah, yeah I just want to in. I just yeah. want to touch on the yes. notion that if you put people into boxes, sometimes yes. the boxes will explode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds very. And actually, that's exactly what I was going to say. Was earlier um, in the previous episode, you asked what values mm. uh, my partner and I had been setting up going into non monogamy. Another one of those was that I. I let my partner know that I don't want to put a limit on how we can feel about other people. Right. Like right. if you, for example, like if you start seeing somebody and like, oh no, now I really like them. Got to shut it down. Like that, yeah. that sounds like it really sucks. But that idea being that I don't want to deny, I don't want to deny a person the growth that they have the potential for within a relationship. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And it's also almost, it's not inhumane, but it's, it's really a lot of, constraint to put on another human to be like mm-hmm. you can care about me as much as you want and this is all a relationship will ever be yeah that's just oh that sounds feels shitty to me that idea that you're already like you've just met somebody and you're already putting a limiter on things or like that you have to keep then keep track of like oh how do I feel about them now how do I feel about them now there's also the flip side of that conversation which is that people do have fixed amounts of time and mm-hmm. there are natural natural soft boundaries that you sort of put around relationships that's to be true. like this is how much of my time you can sort of have that's true or these are the resources that I'm willing to give you access to and there needs yeah. to be a, a consent to that as well that's true so what I would suggest is a lot of the time I'm going to use an example from more than two Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to write that down oh, yeah. just so that I remember to put links to books sure. at the ends of these episodes. Okay. So there's an example that's all about gardening. That's like when you start a relationship, you're planting a seed, but you don't know if that seed is for a flower, if that mm-hmm. seed is for a bush, if that seed is for a tree. Right. And you can either plant sweet, those. Sweet, sweet weed. You can yeah. plant those in like planters and be yep. flexible about like yep. moving them around. Or you can like plant them in the ground and never right. dig them up or repot them. You right. can just leave them where they are and be like, okay, I'm planting these two seeds next to each other. They're mm-hmm. going to fill this tiny space. Yeah. But one of them is an oak tree and one <laughs> of them is a flower. Right. And you're going to end up with yeah. problems. The relationship, the That's plant true. is going to suffer because it doesn't have the space to grow into what it wants. Mm-hmm. And that struggle will probably kill the plant. Right. In addition, while it's doing that, it's probably going to thrash the flower next to it for you know <laughs> access to water, access to yeah. sunlight. And that's true. And that actually, that brings, again, me, that brings me back around to saying that like, even though I say like, on the one hand, I don't want to put constraints on the feelings that I have for a person at the, in the same, in the same breath, I guess, in the same sentence. I am comfortable with putting constraints on how often I see somebody. Totally. But I guess what I don't want to do is I don't want to say, like, you know, I, I'm fine with saying, like, okay, but I can only see you, like, you know, once a week or, sure. or twice a week or whatever shape that takes. Or once every two weeks. Or yeah, exactly. Or, or however however often a little. Um, I want to make sure that I'm direct with them about that so that it yeah. isn't consensual yeah. time-based, but that I don't want to say, like, okay, and even if we're sticking to that time, if I start to really have feelings for them, right. then so suddenly it's not okay. Right. Like I feel like as long as it's working from mm-hmm. a Ooh, sorry <laughs> from a perspective of I still have the time in my life to give the attention that I want to my primary partner, mm-hmm. um, it's okay for this other relationship to grow. Mm-hmm. As if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting because the way that people use the word primary differs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in hierarchical poly, people use the word primary to mean. Um, a hierarchy of obligation. Like mm-hmm. I own property with this person. I have kids with this person. Right. I just have like responsibilities and duties. I have to get my shit done. Mm, duties. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, but then there are also hierarchies of control, which tie mm-hmm. more into veto, which tie more into it's our partnership above all other partnerships. Right. So there is, there is a difference between the two of those. 
Mm, yeah, I can see that. I think that when I say primary partner, I do mean it in terms of not in terms of shared responsibility because we don't own any property together. We don't have any children. We don't even mm-hmm. have like we don't have any pets together. Yeah, we don't even yeah. have a cat. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we don't. I miss cats. <laughs> um, but what I do feel is a sense of emotional obligation to making sure that my partner is comfortable. It feels cared for. Mm-hmm. Feels um, like I will focus on meeting their emotional needs mm-hmm. um, before the emotional needs of others. And mm-hmm. I, I'm comfortable with that obligation as well. And that's, again, mm-hmm. something that I want to be transparent with future partners about, is totally. that I have already prioritized this other person above whoever this person may be. Mm-hmm. But because you, just because I have that emotional priority in place doesn't mean that I don't want this secondary relationship to, to grow in its own way, I guess. Like, it doesn't mean that I want to kind of, like... So what happens, since yeah. you're not putting any limits on, quote-unquote, secondary relationships, if one of those becomes as emotionally intense as your, quote-unquote, primary relationship? And that's a good question. That's, also, that's I'm one sorry of those, for putting yeah. quotes around it. I have such a hard time <laughs> with hierarchy, and I realize that's sorry, how yeah, I was like, that's, I know that as well. Is that, that's not the style that you subscribe to. But that doesn't well, mean like that it's yeah. not a great style to subscribe to. And especially as, like, um, when people are, are starting out in polyamory, it's really common that people It feels more... It feels like a very comfortable place to start for mm-hmm. us, and that's, that's why we're doing it. And there's um, no yeah. judgment around that. I was just realizing that I was, like, <laughs> subconsciously putting in because I like find it unpalatable. Oh yeah, no, that, that's that's fine. Um, I'm not I don't take offense to that at all. Okay, yeah. and also I'm very sorry to any audience members who do take <laughs> offense to that. I, I know I know that like different different things work for different people. Um, yeah. And also in answer to your question, I don't know yet. Um, sure, sure. There, the another thing that we're trying to accept as as a couple is that there is so much gray area. Yeah. Because we haven't we haven't mapped it out yet. We haven't yeah. done it yet. It's um it's a first time for both of us to do this conscientiously. Hmm. Um. It's it's a first time for us to embark on this in a like a, a way that is something we are doing together but separately. Okay. Um so there's a lot that we just have straight up said like this is how I'm feeling right now. I don't want to put yeah. limits on this. I do want to put limits on this. I don't know how that's gonna work out. Yeah. Um and that's, that's where it comes to that scary area of I'm sure it won't always work out for the best and that we'll have to kind of move things around because of that. But that's just something mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to accept. Mm-hmm. And I think having um, a commitment to relationships that have been mm-hmm. going longer is normal, even in mm-hmm. non-hierarchical non-monogamy. Like, mm-hmm. typically when you've invested many years with someone, mm-hmm. they mean a lot to you. And typically when you've yeah. invested months with someone, aside from new relationship yeah. energy, <laughs> um, they're, they're, it's going to be the plant growing at its own pace. Mm-hmm. And some plants will grow faster than others, right? You're going to have yeah. hardwood trees and softwood trees. Yeah, yeah. I think at the end of the day, um, what matters most to me, like I said before, um, is just that my partner feels prioritized. I mean, I, and again, I'm not sure how that's going to look exactly. Like, we've spoken a little bit about, like, it'll feel like... Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do check-ins with each other, like, every every other week. We're going to, you know, in more awesome. if they feel they need it. Um, we're going to keep a constant line of communication, make sure the other person is comfortable, make sure the other person isn't feeling like they're um, like threatened like in any like, way. It just like sounds like you have a really good approach <laughs> to we want to make sure everyone feels safe. Exactly. And I guess, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. We want to sure everything. We want to make sure everybody feels safe. Um, and we want to do it ethically as well. Like we want to yeah. make sure that it is through a constant line of communication, that's not awesome. not through any way of like controlling the other person. Sure, that's amazing. Like, like that's a great mindset. I think to it's take. coming. For, I think I feel like overly optimistic in some ways because of all this. Like we're like, oh, so so hopefully it'll be fine. And like I know that just some things won't work. I'm trying so hard to prepare myself for that. But how do you prepare yourself for something you don't yeah, know? Yeah, you, you know what's going to be. It's, it's I mean, the, it sounds yeah. like you've done a lot of preparatory work already. I, it's we have, and at the same time, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that it pays off. I guess, like I'm, I'm, I don't see how it possibly couldn't. 
but that's the perfectionist yeah. part of me where it's yeah. like I'm hoping that oh, I was gonna say I hope that it means that nothing's gonna go wrong that's just ridiculous like <laughs> I mean it's life and relationships like oh, everything gosh, yeah. goes wrong all yeah time. absolutely I, I'm just at least hoping I guess that those that when things go wrong it's in a constructive way where it leads to a yes. dialogue and yes. to things being better next time I try and take the AFOG approach of like when yeah. things go wrong it's it's just because we're in the process of making them right as yes. opposed to yeah. not oh it's a disaster this has all gone wrong I'm bad yeah. I should feel bad like all those exactly. like internalized negative things yeah but again like we won't know until we get there how, how things yeah. shake out yeah I'm, I'm curious to gently ask about mm-hmm. what prioritizing means to you yes that's a, I mean and that's something that we have also talked about um, my partner and I um, like, and I believe it, I think the way that we worded it to each other was mm-hmm. it means, it means being kind of selfish in okay. one way. It means that if, for example, if my primary, I'm say primary, uh, my partner, um, sure, who I'm can, currently you with. You can say primary if you want. Yeah, I'm, I'll matter. probably end up switching it up. Um, if my, my current partner, just say I had a, a date set up with, um, somebody else who wasn't my, my partner right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, my partner got, an, I'm trying to think of kind of like nickname them or something or. But then my partner says to me, oh, I've just, you know, I've had a, just a go, miserable day. Go I've gotten Mr. like... Mr. T. Oh, man. Okay, I will. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... No, that's terrible. I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay. I'll just say T. Okay. That sounds easiest. Sure. So if T comes to me and says, no, I've just had a miserable day. I got bad news from home. Work was awful. Sure. I feel like a mess. I really need emotional support from you right now. I would just love if you were around tonight instead of going on your date. Yeah. Then I would. I would get in touch with this other person. And say, you know, and hopefully before this, I would have been clear with them that, you know, my priorities lie with, mm-hmm. with T. Um, I'm very sorry. Um, could we reschedule? Yeah. My, you know, T just really, really needs me around tonight. Um, whereas on the other side, if I had something planned with T. Okay. And then. And someone else was having a meltdown was like, I really need some emotional support. Would you be able to be available for a couple hours? You would be like, I'm sorry, I'm going on a date with T. Exactly. Then, then my time would be much more restricted. I, I wouldn't want to. And again, I think it would also depend on. And I, I've told T this as well. It would depend mm-hmm. on the kind of plans that we had versus right. the versus the emotional need of this other person. Yeah. Like, for example, if, you know, oh, we were going to go see a movie, but then my secondary partner's like pet died or something like that. I think in that case, I probably would say like, okay, you know, can we can we see a different time of movie? Because I want to go spend an hour with this person yeah. or something. I mean, that sounds really reasonable. It also, it doesn't sound like you're prioritizing one partner over the other to me. But I'm, like a, I'm not the yeah. person to label your relationship <laughs> or like. I think I think what it ultimately ultimately prioritizing will come to look like is making sure that I am. I, I'll probably be more frequently checking in with T about sure. how he's feeling about everything. As opposed to my other partners, where I will be relying more on them to let me know okay. if something is not feeling okay for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'll, I'll probably be more proactive about checking in with T about so things. So it sounds like prioritization maybe looks like doing a little more emotional labor. That sounds accurate, yeah. I think that it looks like more doing, doing more emotional labor because I want to. Like voluntary right, emotional right. labor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well because right, presumably yeah. you're in love with one of these two people. Exactly, and that's where like, uh, the definition of love is tricky. Because I think I follow, I don't I don't. I, I don't know how to find love, and I, I feel like you. I I become emotional about people fairly easily. Yeah. But I don't say that in a way that I I don't want to devalue those feelings either. Like I feel like they're still very valid feelings. I have a hard time with the word romantic, not because I'm not romantic, because mm. I actually mm-hmm. used to be like a diehard romantic, like yeah. big into grand gestures, mm-hmm. and I kind of was looking at like the meaning of the word romantic and mm-hmm. romance and the way we talk about idealized situations. Like if you're like yeah. I romanticize sports, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean 
you know, it doesn't necessarily mean I fall in love with sports. It means yeah. I think of sports in an idealized, yeah, or ignoring fashion. ignoring the parts that don't fit the narrative of whatever seems positive about it. Right, yeah. and the similarly, if you if you read. Um, if, if there's a romantic tale, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean a tale about love. It can mean a heroic epic adventure. Like it can right. mean all of these yeah. idealized it's narrative true. formats. So yeah. when we talk about romantic love, what are we really talking about? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about idealized love, the best possible kind of love? Because yeah. if that's the case, yeah. the question to ask is, whose ideal is it? Is it society's ideal of love true. or is it your ideal of love? Yeah. And even that when you said before, like, grand romantic gestures... That that sits badly with me, the idea mm-hmm, of grand romantic mm-hmm. gestures, because in my previous relationship, mm-hmm. um, that's what kind of what. I mean, I I, I vastly prefer small ongoing gestures mm-hmm. committed to the stability of the relationship to big romantic gestures. Because I mean, my my previous partner, this this is years ago now, but I mean, it will always sit with me. Um, for example, would never would never do the dishes, mm-hmm. but then on Valentine's Day would get me the box of chocolates, just just too big. Right. And like, and then also let me know that they had like spent too much money on it, and so oh, I was like, geez. "Yeah, uh, that every did everything wrong in that first one." Yeah, um, where again, it's like, I, I mean, there's <laughs> I'm just, I, I just want to request that you be gentle <laughs> with yourself. Oh, I know. And then when I say do everything wrong, I am coming from this place of like, I know so much more now. I'm, I'm kind of like glad that I learned so much in one go without right. any lasting harmful consequences yeah. in any, you know. And when I say harmful, I don't mean just like trauma but I also mean like I we didn't have children together we didn't right. tie our finances together which is a right. big one yeah um I I've come out of it as as, as good as possible mm-hmm. but I do also acknowledge that the things that I did then were from a place of such misinformation or lack of information or lack mm-hmm. of self-scrutiny mm-hmm. that I can I kind of like I laugh about them now in the same but at the same time be kind of like oh god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um whereas Coming back to romantic gestures, when I think of genuine mm-hmm. romance, I think of just caring about your partner and yeah. showing that in yeah. the things that you do with them. Like that's mm-hmm. genuine romance, romance to me. Yeah. Is is like you know cleaning up because you know that they would like that, or you know getting getting them tea because you know that they'd like some without them so saying um, anything. Like, um, that's <laughs> dangerously telepathic territory. No, I know, and I realized that as I said it, but, but I, I'm thinking but more kind you. of plays of like. Um, they they had indicated to me earlier, sure. maybe, that they'd like some tea, and I'm making some anyway, so I'm sure. going to bring them a mug as well. Or you just happen yeah. to know that they really like tea when yeah. they're working yeah. late, and they're working late. There we go, yeah. And they haven't yeah. taken care of themselves fully, and you just kind of assist with their self-care a little. Yeah, there we go. And just, like, uh, um, taking the time to, I guess, not not be telepathic about somebody sure. and, like, anticipate their needs. Because that's, again, that's a dangerous kind of the territory we were talking about before. But we are kind of talking about anticipating needs, in a sense. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about it more in the way that you are just taking the time to get to know your partner. Sure. um, And you not necessarily become telepathic about the one, but you you learn their likes and dislikes and you care about what those things are. Right, which is a lot of emotional labor that that women are socialized to do in relationships that men Mm -hmm. are not socialized to do Absolutely, and instead men are socialized to do nothing day to day and, and then, then spend and, a lot of money and, and then spend a lot gestures. of money yes exactly and then to, it's that commercialized version of romance where right. like oh you you didn't you didn't tell her that you would have to cancel on her for the movie but you bought her all those flowers and so now you don't have to have to talk about your schedules or about how she feels unprioritized or anything or if you do have a talk in which you're defensive and not able to open up oh. emotionally at least she knows you really love her because you yeah. spent 40 bucks on flowers right yeah and, and it's like, again that whole backwards thing of money being an indication of, and replacement yeah. for you know communication and right. yeah 
them. Yeah, because there's nothing wrong with showing love with money as much as it is highly commercial and it's not my love language. I recognize yeah. that gifts are a love language and that those mm-hmm. don't need to necessarily be made of money. Right, but, but they can't some, be the only... I agree. The only language. And like, you know, this is something yeah. how I feel. And maybe there are people out there who are fine with getting a watch instead of having their partner care about them when they're sick or something like that. Or give them a hug or like... Yeah, but that's not how I want to do things. And that's I how agree. I, yeah. it's, it's not my format either. Yeah. But I'm just trying to throw it out there. I, yeah. I do my best to be like as least shamey and as least one true Absolutely. And if, if it works for somebody, awesome. That's great. And I hope that they are finding somebody who can meet those needs for them. Totally. But it's, I would also yeah. say that I fail miserably at trying to be that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that my bias comes across very clearly. And I, and it's, I mean, everyone has a bias. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can do my best not to be biased or prejudiced against certain practices or right. certain types. But if, if I've seen those practices get used really poorly or abusively and then mm-hmm. I haven't seen them really be used healthily. That's going to inform the view you have of them, yeah, obviously. And yeah. there are going to be people that possibly use those same practices extremely healthily. So it's like... Right. And if you find one of them, let me know so I can take a look yeah. at how they do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, that's mm-hmm. all I wanted to add. Absolutely. Yeah. No problem. So... Um, I'm trying to figure out where we are as well. <laughs> we're sort of on question eight right now. Cool. We're sort of talking about why do people choose to practice... Um, not only, why do they choose to open their relationships when they have a functional mm-hmm. um, monogamous relationship and that also kind of ties into the question of how we define a quote unquote successful relationship yeah that's and that's a big that's a big question because I mean just like people I think it varies depending on whose relationship you're looking at and I think mm-hmm. ultimately and again I'm probably going to add a bunch of caveats and asterisks and other things that, everything to this um, I think that a successful relationship is one in which both people are getting their emotional needs met. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a really broad way of saying mm-hmm. that. Um, and I don't even mean necessarily are getting all of their emotional needs met from that other, from the, from one other person. But I mean, either, either that they are, in which case, awesome, you found somebody who's just like the Swiss Army knife of people. <laughs> um, or you have, you have an open line of communication with them in that you are both aware of what emotional needs each other is meeting. Yes. You are, and you are both aware of which emotional needs that other person is not meeting and are comfortable with that and are comfortable with your 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 partner seeking to get those needs met elsewhere like through friends or mm-hmm. self-care mm-hmm. Or, or however whatever shape it takes right yeah. as opposed to the, no- the monogamous notion of an emotional affair have you heard this i have and it blows my freaking mind <laughs> it's like if you're if you're too emotionally intimate oh god friends that is just... I mean, but in the same way where, like... Because it's, it's the exclusivity, oh, not just of sex, but the exclusivity of emotional intimacy. Of emotional... Yeah, of emotional of intimacy at all. Like, And that's really... To that's me, very that's, sad to me. To like, me, it's such a human need to have emotional intimacy. Yeah. And I know so many people who have emotionally intimate friendships that mm-hmm. are just, like, caring and loving and nurturing. Oh, God, I get so much from my friendships. That, I mean, and I, I love my yeah. partner. I'm in love with my partner. Um there's nothing that I would change about our relationship that we're not already working on, you know, changing together because we want to, like, there's nothing like that I would just relationship. like, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I would never, I could never and would never give up the friendships that I have right. because they, they fill much different emotional needs for me. Totally. Like they're, they're, yeah, they, they do a lot of things that I could not and would not want to seek from my, my romantic relationship. Right. And yeah. there's this idealized notion of a partner that magically meets all of your friend needs and they're your best oh, friend God. and they're and then, also your then lover. And you run into that thing of like, oh, so you get rid of all your friends because right. your partner's supposed to be everything. Well, or your partner feels threatened that you have a bester friend. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
It's so oh god, it's so it's so fragile, and it's very right. it's very it sad. Is fragile. Just and like it, it's depressing. It ties yeah. into perfectionism in a sense because it ties into the notion that if you just avoid the anxiety, you never have to deal with it. Oh. So it's like I have all these insecurities. Therefore, instead of working on myself, mm-hmm. I'm going to insist you no longer speak to those friends or oh. you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it, like it. Well, it's, again, it's trying to avoid avoid the difficulties of a situation through exercising control over right. somebody. Which only leads to more anxiety. Like, Absolutely, yeah. Because then you feel like, oh, but I think they're only doing... And that's actually something I had to... And I'm still dealing with, in a way, with this current relationship is um, something that, again, from my previous relationship where I did everything wrong... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we didn't. Uh, we didn't share a lot of the same interests when it came down to it. We didn't share many of the same interests. Um, but I would try and make them do things with me because partners do things together. But then I would also, in the same mind, know that they were only doing those things because I'd made them do them with me, mm. and that would lead to me feeling resentment because they didn't actually want to be there. I think I actually said at one point, like, "I want you to do this with me, and I want you to want to do it." That's great. God, isn't it? Like, <laughs> isn't it healthy? <laughs> Oh. You're gonna get nothing and like it. Yeah, basically, like, <laughs> I yeah, love it. I you love want it. nothing and will receive it in abundance. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then you will thank me. For yeah, it. and just that, and then me leading to me carrying around all this baggage of like, oh no, now is my partner only doing this thing because I want them to do it? Right. And looking so for even so once much you've been successful, the control yeah. just seeks to grow itself. Anxiety yeah. just multiplies, and it may not multiply immediately. It's like going from like a six on the on how much anxiety arbitrarily <laughs> the anxiety you're experiencing down to a three because you've exerted yeah. control. You're like, this is amazing. I need to do this more oh, and get it down to a zero. And even then, it's it's breeding more anxiety because yeah. you also know that the only reason that situation has it's worked out is because you control. have a tight control on it. And so that means you keep that control that. absolutely, absolutely, because you know that the second that you're not exercising that control, it's All not going to work anymore. Gonna come back. Maybe yeah. your whole relationship is constructed on this artificial premise, and yep. it's yeah. like all of a sudden your anxiety is now a three and a half, a four, a four and a half, yeah. and you've already started <laughs> exhibiting all of this control mm-hmm. now if you release that control and go back to your first state instead of your anxiety being at a six it might be at like a nine yeah yeah it, it doesn't lead to anything good and it means that like in my current relationship mm-hmm. a lot of the unpacking i had to do related to that previous relationship was around me worrying that if our interests were lining up it was because i had somehow mm-hmm. coerced them into into wanting to do that thing with me Right. Like I, I, so many times right. I ask, like, do you, do you actually want? I want to make sure you actually want to be doing this. Please tell me, like, the truth. It, do you right. want to be here? Do you want to be doing this thing with me? If you don't, please tell me. And like, even then, I would never quite believe him when he was saying, like, I do actually have an interest in this. I do actually want to be doing this. <sighs> I'm so sorry to hear that. That's rough. <laughs> and it, it's something that had gotten a lot better, largely through like trust and communication building, because it is very trust based. There's also a difference between not being willing to believe someone else mm-hmm. and not being willing to accept what you know they believe. Say that one more time for me. <laughs> so if my partner says, yeah. you're an amazing person, mm-hmm. there's not believing them. Right. And there's believing they think what they're saying is true and being right. unable to accept it. Oh, wow. Okay. Those both sound very familiar to me. Yeah. And Especially making, the second one. Making, yeah. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making the distinction is important because it's the difference between putting all the blame and responsibility on your partner. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you. Something right. is wrong with you. And it shifts to... I am unable to accept that. Right. 
I should go and talk about this in counseling. Right, recognizing it's a problem inherent in yourself versus accusing somebody else of being untruthful. Yes, just that it's an opportunity for you to work on stuff. Because ultimately, whether they brought up or brought awareness to this issue, this insecurity, Mm -hmm. you've always had that insecurity. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's become unearthed and that it's raw and sensitive is a good thing. Yeah. Because it means you you can now work on this. Yep. So many of our injuries are just buried so deep in our in our Mm -hmm. in the flesh of our psyche that like you will never have an opportunity to work on it in counseling until it's right there. Yep, that's very true as well. When it gets unearthed, you can look at it and it's like, fuck my partner. I'm so (laughs) angry that this I hate Polly. I'm so angry that like all these things are getting exposed. Or you can be like I am struggling right now because mm-hmm. what I'm doing is really hard. It's harder yeah. than what most people do. Yeah. It's not something everyone succeeds at. And I am really committed to doing this work on myself and being right. the best version of myself I can be because I deserve to live with that human. Yep. I, that's obviously way more positive is the idea of looking at it as an opportunity to know yourself better, to yeah. know your relationship better, to work on it and improve everything, improve yourself and improve your relationship with yourself. Yeah. But uh, you got it. It's a it's a hard road to get there as well, so especially difficult. when you don't realize. I mean, in my situation, like you don't realize something is even still an issue. Like I thought I had kind of worked on that one and worked it out, and then like over over a year and a half later, had a huge meltdown, ultimately over the exact same issue, and didn't realize it was even still hanging out in there until I was like, oh, cool, this again. I thought I was done with this. Polyamory like, is like an onion. Layers. <laughs> Layers that has layers. Well, and this was before we were even talking about Polly. Like, this right. was, like, totally unrelated to open to the relationship. Right. This, was okay. a, this was actually about um, kink events. Amazing. Yeah. We are <laughs> almost on the kink topic. It will come. It will yeah. Come. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, when you said yeah. that it was it was a really hard road to get there, all I could hear, because you were talking about, like, open relationships, is mm-hmm. like, it's a hard road to hoe. <laughs> How like, how, like, you can fuck around a lot and still it's, like, really hard to get through the emotional components of being healthy with another human and being right. intimate with them. Mm-hmm. And that that intimacy depends on how emotionally healthy we are in the sense that our own personal self-intimacy depends on how healthy we are and how well we know ourselves. Yes, yeah, and that's where um, tying it back into, like, how the work that I'm doing leading up to this is enriching everything else is, yeah. oh, God, these are skills I can use in every single area. The better I am about parsing my own emotions or about parsing how I talk to other people about those emotions, the more directly I can see connections between between things. Um, and it's funny, they actually, mm-hmm. the other, like, yesterday... I woke up and had an epiphany about my perfectionism, which is, I don't think, something that would happen have happened before I was getting used to making all these connections between, like, emotions and um, how they're kind of displaying themselves, I guess, mm-hmm. as a way to put it. Like, I, I woke up and was like, oh, I don't like when people give me advice because it means that they think they're better than me. And then I, like, unpacked oh, that while wow. I was lying in bed. Um, as opposed to before when I would just, like, oh, somebody's giving me advice. I'm just going to get defensive and not question it. Wow, okay, but, yeah. yeah, that's... As a person who probably gives more unsolicited advice than, <laughs> than he should at all, which is, I mean, t- typically you should give zero unsolicited advice. <laughs> Unless you really think you're reading a situation well and you think the person can Yeah, really I, I can see situations in which it would be appropriate. But as the kind of person that is always like, yeah, I get a lot of really hard feedback from people mm-hmm. and I work on myself and sometimes yeah. I hate it and sometimes it feels uncomfortable, but at the end yeah. of the day, I feel like I'm a better version of myself. Mm-hmm you can't apply that standard to other people. <laughs> the second you're like, hey, I have some advice for you, and I think it's awesome, because I think, like, this one little nugget is really going to yeah. help you, like, become a, like, a, 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 just, it'll make life easier for you. Right. And the person's just like, you're an asshole. <laughs> 
or you're an entitled man who's giving a whole bunch of unsolicited <laughs> advice. And I'm like, all of those things are, you're not wrong. <laughs> I think, yeah, but it, it does depend very much on the situation. And like one of the, in, I guess a lot of the situations in which I'm thinking about this in relation to myself specifically are right, situations right. in which the, the advice somebody was giving me was genuinely helpful. I did genuinely need it but I was also immediately interpreting it as some kind of signal that they were better than me and I was being threatened by that. Right. Because of my own things that I have to unpack about my need to be perfect or my need to be totally. better than others or totally. what that means or what that looks like and everything. But and also just, humble because oh. like better than <laughs> others but all is more humble because that's better too. <laughs> but not too much better or they'll get alienated. Yeah. Or at <laughs> least not show them how much better. Because you don't want them oh, to know. Oh, then you get into kind of some some sociopathic things about like I'm going to fake <laughs> this humbleness so that I let their defenses down so that I can get what I want from them and, and be perfect while doing it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm yeah. I, I empathize. I hear you. <laughs> so we were talking about why people choose to practice open relationships. That's right. Yeah. And I as much as I'm sure sociopathy yeah. like plays in. <laughs> I should, yeah, um, so I think I said, um, I actually touched on that briefly in the previous um, issue, and I will happily okay. say it again now. Um, sure. Issue? Podcast? Thing? Session. 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 There we go. Um, and I can speak to, I don't know why other people choose to be, um, choose to explore poly, and I'm sure everybody has their own reasons. Of course, sure. Personally, personally um, my partner and I's reason was largely so that I could, um, as, as a self-identified bisexual, mm-hmm. bisexual, bisexual, <laughs> bisexual, <bisexual. laughs> um, <laughs> as a self-identified bisexual, I could explore relationships with, with women, um, or, awesome. or women identifying sure. people. Um, because that's not a need that my current relationship can meet just by intrinsic value sure. or inheritance of sure. and my partner being a cis male. Yeah. That's kind of Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And also I like the idea of exploring relationships with other people and what that might look like um, sure. and curiosity. And my partner also being comfortable with that kind of segue into it and also being curious about what seeking kind of to get needs met elsewhere might look like. And so I guess ultimately it comes from a place of curiosity for us. That's great. Yeah. I figure like we could do worse in terms of like reasons to go into something. Like, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, great. Yep. I think you've highlighted a lot of pros and cons. Cool. I'm curious yeah. about asking um, the last metamorphship question because we talked yes. about enriching metamorphships last time, and yes. we talked about a brief experience. Mm-hmm. But then we never talked about group sex. If you've yeah. ever had any non-diabetic anecdote time, yeah. Um, time. So I, I have one. I have one group sex experience. Okay. Um, and it is. It is from my do everything wrong first long term relationship. So buckle up, um, buckle up. So um, my best friend at the time had been dating my partner before I started dating him. Okay. Um, and they had been in an open relationship, but then when he and I started dating, I had and he had said that we wanted to just date each other, effectively kind of pushing her out of the relationship. Oh, so he did the he did the bump and swap. Yep. Yep. Um, but me and me and her had known each other for like we went to school together. We knew each other for years, and I did that great that great cool friend thing where I prioritized him above her kind of immediately um, in wanting to kind of to have that relationship for myself. Anyway, so flash forward a couple of years, um, and she is visiting from um, wherever she was living at the time. I think oh, somewhere no, in the states. Oh no, this sounds like it's coming. <laughs> Oh, if it sounds like it's going to get messy, it does. Um, yeah, it definitely sounds like a train <laughs> was heading west, carrying a lot of pussy. And a train was heading east, carrying well, throw, a lot of anger. Throw some ecstasy in there. Oh, no, there's a train <laughs> heading south. 
So we had some ecstasy and things that n- none of us had discussed any of this previously. Oh, no. Things just headed in that direction. Um, oh. And we did end up having a sexual experience, the three of us, during which I ended up actually largely ignoring him and focusing on her, sure. which is not something I regret now because that was a lot of fun. Um, awesome. But then ultimately, um, I mean, it was it was fun that kind of felt questionable after the fact because ecstasy is one of those things that kind of is mino- emotionally manipulative, I find, and in, in a drug. And people feel motivated to do a thing and don't quite know why. Yes, yeah, quite, it kind of pulls on your state. emotions, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, but also it ended up kind of, the drug didn't sit great with me and I felt kind of sick and I just needed to lie down. Um, so I, I went and lay down and they moved to the living room and just kept on going. Um, my, right. my current partner and his ex-girlfriend slash right. my friend. Right. Um, while I lay in bed feeling sick, knowing that um, they were just having a good old time a room over. Uh, and that was that experience. So did he have ecstasy as well? Yes. All, all three of us, all three of us had had, had, had ecstasy. I'm, that's amazing. I've heard that, um, and, and I don't really have any experience, but I've heard that oh. taking ecstasy can impact having an erection as a man. Oh, I'm, in this case, it didn't. In this I'm, yeah, case, I mean, it like, certainly yeah, wasn't a problem. I, mean, I, I don't, yeah, if it's awesome. true, I'm not saying it's wrong. Um, but amazing, yeah, amazing for all three of you. And also yeah. terrible for all three of you in that it didn't yeah. seem to work out super well. No, no, it severely impacted um, my trust of him, um, my my beliefs about whether their relationship, like, was really over or not, like, messed up all kinds of, like, trust issues and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then later I still decided to lock that whole thing down. Why, so, were you, you know. why were you upset that they moved to the living room and continued? I think it was largely because I had assumed that I was his priority uh, because okay. we were currently in the relationship and they had, right. they had broken things off. Right. Um, and I had assumed that if I was not feeling well, then he would stay with me because I was not feeling well and wanted him to be around. Versus what might feel to him like a once in a lifetime opportunity to have this emotional closure with a former partner kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. So right. we, we hadn't talked about it, and I didn't voice right, any right. of those needs to him either, right. and so it just felt like, it just felt shitty. Like, it right. felt like that whole monogamy thing where, like, why doesn't he just know what I want? Right. And then not even asking myself that, but so far, going so far as to say, like, he knows he should be in here with me, and he oh, isn't. Oh, wow, okay, yep. Into assuming he was, like, flat out kind of shunning me right. conscientiously. Right, I know I have this obligation or responsibility, and I'm choosing to have sex yes. with my ex-girlfriend instead. And additionally, she is my friend. She should want me to feel good, and therefore... Right, I was just not, pleasing her. Yeah, and, and therefore, she, <laughs> she, therefore she should encourage him to be over here with me, and kind of, like, seeing the whole situation as opportunity to be let down by two people I cared about wow. as opposed to we sure had some fun but I'm not feeling great you guys go off have fun now or even like, like we really should have talked about this. but really yeah underlying all of that is we should have had a discussion before taking this drug that we all knew led to kind of like sexualized feelings and everything and right. like right. yeah it's just a big big old mess that um, I'm really I really wish that wasn't my first and only threesome experience yeah, that's an, I'm, sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that it sounds like it wasn't a wholesome like, it wasn't. It wasn't great. Um, yeah. And actually, kind of related to that, I have had um, a kind of a second experience in not quite threesomes and not quite metamors, but for a while, I was trying to be part of a couple um, mm-hmm. through the instigations of the guy who of, of the man in the relationship who sure. had told me that oh, like, it would be fun, and we should do this, and my wife's into it, but she never actually said anything to me directly, and it turns out... Oh, no. After I flew to Phoenix to spend time with them... Oh, no! (laughs) ...that she actually had no interest in this at all, and so then I was just, um, there for a while. Yep. 
<laughs> I am so sorry. And that's my second experience with trying to be part of an open relationship that it turns out one person didn't actually want to be part Ooh. of and dealt with a lot of trust issues there too. And that uh, is yeah. rough. So those are those are my I mean again, learning a lot that I can then use to yeah. make this time. Another a lot fucking opportunity for growth. So much growth. So much growth. Oh yeah. Wow. Yep. <laughs> that is, I'm, I'm really, I think it's amazing that you've chosen to be resilient and stick with it and say, I have these needs that I want to get met I and mean, I'm going to figure I, out how to do it. At the core of it, like, I, I think I kept on trying to dip a toe into these situations because at the, at the core of it is the idea of having meaningful emotional connections with multiple people. And I love that idea. I love it as a concept. I believe there's a way to do it correctly. Mm -hmm. But at, at those times, in neither of those situations, did I have the benefit of a community of poly friends or like I wasn't in the kink community at that point either and didn't have all these great conversations about mm -hmm. consent and clarity and communication uh, or didn't know about podcasts or any of this. So this is kind of like made all the mistakes, learned better and now want to really go for it mm -hmm. in, a, mm -hmm. in a good, meaningful, consensual way. At some point... I, I keep watching a lot mm. of my queer female woman identified friends mm -hmm. tell me how hard it is to meet other queer women and yet oh, don't tell me that now <laughs> there are there are all there are so many queer women friends that I have mm -hmm. who consistently tell me the same thing which is like I just can't find it I'm like I'm like you have a mixer <laughs> right I'm like you're literally friends with like four of yeah. them like, I'm just going to have a get together invite yeah. all of the queer women that I know awesome ask one of my lesbian yeah. friends like what's the best movie to put on to like to like to like be set suggestive mood, like. and just like to, to set a mood that has a natural disembarkation point without setting a mood that's like uncomfortably sexual because I don't want to sexualize the mood but I'm a cheerleader you're a cheerleader. So it's, it's a movie called "But I'm a Cheerleader." Oh, is it about about like a you uh, know. about a young about a young woman discovering she is Her a lesbian and amazing. Yeah, it's, it's very good. Amazing. Yeah. There's yeah. also <laughs> a Swedish film. Um, oh, what was it called? Show Me Love. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a sweet. Anyways, so my point being, <laughs> I'll put on some movie and yeah. I'll just invite a whole bunch of queer women. Of queer women who are also who, all who complaining are, about not being able to find who are queer in women. on this. Who obviously yeah. know I'm not going to like set this and be like he 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 he, <laughs> and then just like. Like a, a seven-way surprise date. And, yeah, and then just be like, okay, go. I'm just going to go <laughs> over just here. I'm in the like, room for a yes. moment for all night, and yeah. yeah for, oh, no, I just tripped and turned the lights down. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, hopefully something that, yeah. <laughs> you know, is again, like, that everyone knows. Yeah. Again. But is that something that you'd be interested in? Uh, that sounds really, really fun, yes. Okay, yeah. I, will, <laughs> you, I will. You know where to find me. <laughs> you know where to find me. I will have to ask a few other queer women friends. That would be, that would be lovely. Yeah. I hear this over and over and over and over again, and I'm just like, y'all just need to meet each other. And honestly, that's something I've been kind of trepidatious about going into this, is right. knowing that no, knowing that it's, um, oh, what's it, a friend called it the bisexual standoff? Yeah. Especially with women who are used to being in... Um, heterosexual more, relationships. Yeah, there you go, heterosexual relationships, where it is more typical that the man advances and instigates, yep. is being used to the dy dynamic, and then both people waiting for the other person mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. in initiate things. And I'm kind of gearing up to have to be the one to initiate, because I, I get kind of... What's the word? Um... I, I get frustrated more easily, I think, than a lot of people. So I am usually the one to kind of like just kind of okay. I guess I'm doing this. And awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping that's going to help me out in this situation. Um. Yeah. Oh, I probably yep. will. Yep. It's it's it's. Oh man. Yeah. There's there's so many. I know a lot of humans, and I will I will have all of you together at some point. Awesome. And like, 
Well, you know what? We'll do a Steven Universe abridged or something. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Because that's that something great. that I, I am absolutely loved to death, and apparently yep. tons of queer women love to death. Yep. I'm, oh, I'm it's because it's really, really good. It's a great yeah. show. I actually just, I finished, um, I finally finished Adventure Time recently. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. That ending. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Rebecca Sugar, who created Steven Universe, comes oh. back for the final song in that show. Is that her? Oh, I'm so happy. It was Rebecca Sugar. You can see a video online yeah. of her of her playing it on her ukulele. Oh, wait, did, she, did they come out as non-binary? Yes, they oh, came sorry. out. There we go. I'm okay, so great. sorry. No, that's fine. I, <laughs> Thank I had you forgotten for as well. Me. Yeah, and I just tried trying to remember. Rebecca so yeah, Sugar that's so great that they came back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they came back and they played in the ukulele. Oh. The um, they also wrote definitely the cried end. during the final song. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. I wrote this for my son Jake. Oh. I, I love Bimo. Um, Bimo is LSP also LSP in that episode. LSP's always I want, good. I want to do an embroidery of the. I was a. I'm a blossoming debutante on a warpath. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite quote from anything now. Oh my goodness! So yes. good. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's a total total segue. But total I would segue. I would love if you had a, a queer a queer women mixer with Steven Universe on in the background. I definitely recorded the um, song from the end of Stakes, the mm-hmm. movie the movie about Marceline. Oh the nine, yes, the nine episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I have a bubbling shirt that I. Just got for my birthday. <gasps> that I would love to see it. That people on you, you people, you people who are listening. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Will not get to see this, but it's like. But it's it's kind of both them chibified. Yeah, I was just gonna say. It's and like, holding hands with a like starry ch- background. Yes, it's yeah. like a chibi Marceline with a chibi bubble gum, holding Aww. hands and smiling at each other. They're very very sweet. Do you like the fangs? The fangs. I do with so the tiny little fangs. Yeah. yeah, I've seen some. I've seen some really excellent cosplay of the two of them as well, floating around the internet. Yeah, definitely. Always a good time. Yeah. Okay. So back, back <laughs> to mom and that's, I mean, that's that's a cap off to my two terrible anecdotes about group experiences as well. It's a happier note to, to leave right. that on. Yeah. Awesome. Um, did you want to move into um, kink? Yes, I think we cool. should wrap up this session here. Sure. And then we'll do another session on kink. Okay, sounds great. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Emma, so much for being on the show with me. You are welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So how did you like it, Intimates? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash intimate interactions or go straight to the Patreon group at patreon.com slash victorsalmon. Both are easy to find from intimatepodcast.com, so what are you waiting for? Go join the free Intimates community and start connecting with others. I'll see you on there. Attribution. The intro music was Unbury Your Heart by Siobhan Decay, and the outro music was Dancing with Fire by Daniel Birch. Disclaimer. I apologize in advance if something I say discriminates against some folks or is highly problematic. I'm open to being called in. I'll probably look back in future and see something I'm not proud of. I'm not perfect. I'm certainly trying to be mindful of the voices I lift up and the perspectives I encourage. And along that line, I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the land on which I live and play, the unceded traditional Coast Salish territories, specifically those of the Musqueam, Kwantlen, Tsawasin, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, 